Um, hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the ACMW Divergence podcast. I'm here with Made Shujay Payani, uh, a PhD researcher at the University of Glasgow, Scotland, at the Bendable Electronics and Sensing Technologies Group. Uh, she's an NITK uh, alum of the batch of 2018. So yeah, uh, hi, Made. Hi, Safan. Nice to see you. So um, we'll go out with the first question. So when was it that you first realized you wanted to pursue biomedical engineering? So I guess on a subconscious level, I always wanted to do this since high school because I quite liked math and physics as subjects, but I also really liked biology because it sort of satisfied my curiosity as to what's going on in our body and how we can deal with it. So that was really interesting to me. But yeah, science and engineering are pretty much two sides of the same coin. So at, at first I went towards electronics engineering because that seemed also like the safer option. Uh, but also it gave me a chance to think analytically. But as, the, uh, as I went into the second year of engineering at NITK, I realized that there was something missing and that was the science part of subjects. So we had some uh, courses in our first year, which was mandatory physics and chemistry courses. Uh, I don't know if they're still there, but they sort of really helped me open my eyes towards what's there outside electrical engineer, electronics engineering. So towards uh, my third year, I started taking uh, electives in NITK, which were not from our branch, but were from the science department, for example, biochemistry or process instrumentation from chemical engineering. And that's when I realized that there's so much intersection between engineering and science. And there's so much you can do once you bring these two together. So I guess that could be considered as like the first uh, starting point to biomedical engineering and also the fact that biomedical is super um, multidisciplinary so you'll always have different things to do so you can for example deal with the biological aspects of cells if you will but at the same time you can make devices to read uh, cellular like recordings for example uh, you could also go towards computer science if you want. So, for example, imaging, which has also gotten a lot of traction since COVID. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so these multifaceted aspects of biomedical engineering really attracted me towards it. And I'm lucky that I get to pursue it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Like, I mean, I'm sure like at some point, a lot of us were fascinated by science because it's that interesting and you took it further you were able to pursue it that's that's really cool yeah and like also like you know from an engineering uh a grad uh, engineering student standpoint like how did you go about applying for internships in a field that was different from your degree so okay, how did you build that profile for a biomedical engineering related career okay that's actually yeah it's a very for a good question so at first it was very challenging because uh, of course while it's multidisciplinary the people you apply to prefer to have students from their own branches because 
it's, it's not as so if an electronics uh, student wants to apply and w- work in a biology lab, they would have some doubts. So there are some ways you can go about this. Uh, one of them would, of, of course, uh, be having a record of the different courses that you do outside of engineering. And the sooner you start with this, the better. Uh, at that time, I'm sure even now NITK had a lot of options for open electives. So those really helped me sort of build up my profile and also interacting with professors from the sciences department really helped. I even did my bachelor's uh, B.Tech project in collaboration between electronics EC department and the chemistry department at NITK. So, but it's, the key is starting early so you can look through the courses that are there and you can apply for them. If uh, you cannot get credits, you can still audit the course. So this really helps at least have a record that you have taken the course that companies or universities or research institutes can see. Then the second one would be taking online courses. It's uh, not as good as taking courses from your own university, but over time, especially again after the pandemic, online courses have gained a lot of value right now. So you would, in this case, you would have a lot more options because it's on your own time. And that is what I did with Coursera. Started um, uh, uh, doing a course on um, biology of cancer because cancer as a disease really fascinated me because of how uncontrollable it is. And I really wanted to know why. So that course was super helpful. Plus, at the same time, I had the opportunity to finish the course. And as it turns out, the university was searching for students to mentor the course as well. So I also got to be a part of that and interact with like different students around the world who had questions related to cancer or just people who had family members who had cancer and they wanted to get some closure and understand the disease better. So it really helped me also see the personal aspects of biomedical engineering and how it can directly affect lives. So these were from offline and online courses perspective that really help. The second one would be how you can bring your current field into the field that you want to work in. So as an example, if you are applying in a lab who works on, let's say, biological imaging, so you can tell them that you come from an engineering background and you can directly apply the concepts you've learned in their lab because a lab like this would mostly have a lot of biologists, but very few engineering staff or students. So you can sort of like advertise yourself that way. So even you can now you have the capability to work at the intersection of two subjects. So it's honestly really important to bring, to tell them what you can bring to their lab because like I've made this mistake before as well. I have uh, sort of told the person I was applying to that uh, I can do this for you. And the this was related to the subject they were already pursuing in the lab. What I didn't say was what I can bring personally from my own background into this lab, sort of create a very nice multidisciplinary uh, project. So it's also really important to, while you're switching fields, to not forget the previous one so that you can use it uh, to sort of create a bridge between your past and your future, basically. 
So this was in terms of applying for BMU-related internships. Then after internships, of course, comes uh, your major project. Uh, from the major project, especially in ECE, you have a lot of options of integrating it with biological fields, but still doing code electronics. And this is using, for example, developing health monitoring devices, uh, readout circuits for different biosensors and things like that. So even if it's just proof of concept, that's more than enough. This is not something you necessarily have to do after your bachelor's, but it really helps you build the profile towards biomedical engineering. Then once you do this, you can sort of culminate all this into a good statement of purpose, which is very important for masters. And that's where you, you start including the fact that you want to go towards biomedical engineering. So you use your past in your SOP. You talk about the different multidisciplinary projects you've worked on because it's so important to be multidisciplinary in this field. So it's, it's a bit challenging because you need to have different knowledge, different um, not expertise, but at least experience in different fields, for example, electrical, biology, physics, chemistry, the whole uh, package. So uh, yeah, so it's important to put all of this in the statement of purpose. And uh, once you enter masters in biomedical engineering, you will have a lot more freedom to pursue biological subjects. So I guess like we will talk about this later on when we talk about the master's experience, but yeah. yeah, so this is sort of how you start building your profile and slowly moves to move towards a subject that is not exactly your core undergrad. Yeah. yeah that part, like where you just did a course on like cancer, cause like you were curious and like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm personally like looking for always something that will improve my uh, career degree wise. And like, you just did a course on cancer and you got to mentor people. Like that's incredibly cool. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, I have to ask this question. So yes. as an engineer from any branch, like how important is programming knowledge in the industry of a research? So I, I'm not sure if a lot of people will like this answer, but it is a little important. Even in biology, programming has started to become important, but it really depends on uh, which branch of programming you're talking about. So for example, I can tell you uh, that in biological subjects or biomedical engineering in general, we deal with a lot of physics. So let's say you wanna talk about the membrane of a cell and you wanna model the membrane of a cell. So you have ready-made softwares that do that for you, but sometimes it can be super expensive. So there are uh, equations that sort of mimic or talk about the membrane of the cell, but these equations don't really have solutions you can solve by hand. You will need to go towards programming their answers. So right, right. Uh, one important thing would be, for example, learning how to solve uh, partial differentials and ordinary differentials using MATLAB. So this is like semi-analytical programming. Then I think the other one would honestly be data analysis because we deal with a lot of statistics 
in science because you just don't have one cell. You have millions of them. So you have to make sure that your results match your hypothesis. So statistical analysis also becomes really important. So I would say these two aspects of programming are important, both in industry and for research. But other parts honestly really depend on the subject you're pursuing in biomedical engineering because biomedical engineering has a third branch which goes towards clinical imaging. And clinical imaging's core focus is also pattern recognition and machine learning. Mm. So in that case, you would have to move towards uh, that as well. But let's say if you are in bioelectronics, you would mm. mostly be using biomedical engine, uh, programming to solve equations. If you're purely in biology, you would be using programming for statistical analysis. Yeah, wow. Mm. It's like very diverse, it's a very diverse field. Like yes. so much, so much to do. Like Exactly. Okay, um, I'll just move on. That's a lot of taken. So uh, your thought process, you know, when you were choosing the university, um, while applying for your postgrad in biomedical engineering, what made you choose TU Delft? Okay, that's actually a really good question. So I had a lot of existential crisis before I uh-huh. went towards this. Um, I think the first thing was not even a technical uh, reason. It was mostly logistical. The thing about uh, Europe in general is that when you graduate from one country in the EU, you have access to the job market in the entirety of the European Union. So so this sort of really increases your chances for getting a job or a PhD in the future. So that was one of the main reasons I chose Europe as the continent. TUDEF particularly, uh, it was honestly through word of mouth and a lot of NITK students are also in TUDEF and it was through them that I heard about the BME program. And I stalked uh, the program a little bit and found out that it's super diverse and the professors mm. really work on many topics and as compared to the other universities that I had researched none of them were at par with TU Delft at least for me this is this was also personal but in case of TU Delft's BME program it had three tracks so one was in biomechanics one was in bioelectronics and one was in medical imaging Irrespective of which track you were a part of, you had to do a semester-long sort of intense anatomy and physiology course, which sort of also strengthened your biology background. So this really uh, pushed me towards applying to TU Delft. And also the thing is that, uh, well, the language barrier was also not there in the Netherlands because they do not want you to learn Dutch to do a master's or apply for a job. So that was also a little helpful, Also, although it's not like the main reason, but it was one of the few reasons. Uh, then the other thing was students also had a lot of collaborations with universities inside the Netherlands, but also on the outside. And you no one, and Honestly, it was just very easy to work with other people when you were a student at UDELF. There was really no logistical red tapes, uh, no issues with being an international student that would hold you back. So that was really helpful. And also, the thing is, they had a lot of PhD openings when I was applying for my master's. So that also showed that there they have enough funding that they need because biomedical research can be a little expensive. 
because we deal with cells, expensive technology, and a lot of research goes into it. So it's really, it was important to find a decently funded university. So I think these were the main factors that went into choosing TUDEL. Yeah. yeah, and like, did it, did it meet all those expectations? Definitely, yes. It mm-hmm. met those and more. It was one thing I did not anticipate about TUDELF was how intense it was going to be, especially when you're switching from one field to another. You have to catch up, but yeah. also learn new things. So that was mm-hmm. very difficult, especially in the first year, because TUDELF, the other good thing is that it has a two-year-long or more than two years, if you want to, master program. Some universities have only one year, which is not enough for research. In TUDELF, you spend like a year or so for your uh, courses and the next year you spend on your thesis. So it can be a little intensive, research intensive, but at the same time when you graduate, it's it's totally worth it. But mm. yeah, yeah, it, it was challenging, definitely, but it worked out in the end, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, that sounds like a fairy tale of sorts it sounds a lot of fun so just your research experience right comparing that to engineering how important are like research papers from a career switch perspective uh from a career switch perspective i would say especially if you're doing it from bachelor's to master's bachelor's to a job or bachelor's to a phd uh Okay, bachelor's to a job and bachelor's to a master's, I would say research papers wouldn't be um, sort of like a do or die situation. So they know that it's difficult. Like even if you're not searching areas, it's difficult to publish during bachelor's. It's it's very difficult. So they usually uh, focus more on your internships, but they also focus a lot on the letters of recommendations, a lot. So it's really important to have the, that that even for a career switch, a good good letter of recommendation can go can really go a long way and sort of account or replace even other aspects of your profile. Um, then I so, but it is definitely helpful to have research papers, even if it's a review paper. So it's not like you talk about other people's research instead. Or if it is a collaboration with a different university, or if it could even be just a conference abstract, so it doesn't have to be anything big. But just to show that you know how to showcase your research and share it with the community, because research is quite, one aspect of research is sharing your knowledge with people not in your field. So if they know you can do that well, it means you're almost there and ready for a career in research. So this is also why statements of purpose are very important, like for TU Delft. Other than talking about your past, they uh, also asked you to spend like maybe half a page, one page of the SOP on talking about what topics would you want to pursue for your master's thesis. So a lot of universities have started to do this, and this actually carries a lot of weightage because it shows how much or how well you know what you want to do and you're not doing it just because of let's say a good job prospect Mm -hmm. or something so in this way they really gauge your interest so i think the most important would actually be your sop at this point followed by the internships because in the end these two are linked 
and also the letters of recommendation. Then in the background, the projects that you do both in your own field and the field that you want to switch to both matter. But even if you don't have projects in this field you want to switch to, but you have only done projects in your current field, you can still use those and sort of convey how they can be applied in the new field. So that helps a lot. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Uh, I was a, just about to ask that question, you know, how would you rate what's the most important aspects of your resume or career while trying to, you know, uh, apply yeah. and switch to BME, but you already answered that for me. <laughs> like you've done like so much, it's really incredible. So um, Thank you. From, from a job perspective, right? Yeah. How important is a master's or a PhD if I'm switching to a different field? Uh, so when you say a job, do you mean like in the industry? In the in industry or like, I think, I mean, PhD researcher also counts as job. I think generally both. Okay, that's yeah. actually a good question. So you can look at it from like both a technical perspective and a logistical perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, from a logist, let's start from the more uh, shorter one and that's the logistical one. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of universities in Europe, if you want to do a PhD, you sort of need to have a master's. I mean, it's a little difficult to jump from bachelor's to PhD, even with publications and good internships, mostly because they want you to have a mini thesis sort of thing, which comes during the master's. So for a PhD, I would say a master's would definitely help. But if let's say you're applying to universities in the US, that's where the bachelor to PhD switch is very common. Yeah. So it would, so in that case, you would have like much higher chances of getting accepted in the US, which also has really good universities. Correct. Uh, in terms of technical aspects, a master's would definitely help because during bachelor's, even though the field might seem very interesting unless you like really get into it and be at the center of the field do you really realize if this is what you want to pursue mm -hmm. because all everything looks really cool from the outside but like once you get into it you're like oh okay wait a second and you need to sometimes to think to see if this is what you really want to do so mm -hmm. the master's is sort of like it's like a warm-up for a phd it prepares you for that but needless to say a bachelor's to phd is also quite common in the US and also in the UK, but it's, you really, really have to work very hard towards it. And if you're in the same field or similar field to your bachelor's, then it becomes easier to skip the master's. But if you're switching a field, they would need some sort of coursework proof that you know the base of your PhD. So that also brings the difference between US and Europe. Europe, at least in the UK, we don't really have courses during a PhD in the first year. So it is expected that we've done these courses during our bachelor's or master's. In the US, you have uh, some courses in your first year, technical courses of PhDs yeah. that sort of prepare you for the yeah. rest of the PhD. Um, in terms of industry, uh, I don't know for all countries, to be honest, but I can tell you for the Netherlands, it is quite common to directly go from bachelor's to a job that is not related to your bachelor's. It's very common. And the best way they show that is through their bachelor's thesis. 
So I guess it could be the same even for students outside the Netherlands is that you can have your bachelor's elsewhere and apply for a job in Netherlands. The thing is, of course, they prefer residents. So the master's also in that case makes you a resident of the country. So it becomes easier to apply for a job in that country. Mm. If you're in the same country you did mm. your bachelor's in, then you can try to, it is definitely possible to switch to a job without a master's or a PhD. Then, um, yeah, I think that covers like most of the things. Uh, nothing else really comes to mind. But l let me know if you have like yeah. a very specific question related to this because it's like a very broad right. topic. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was very comprehensive actually. And uh, like, like you already mentioned, you know, how diverse and incredible the field biomedical engineering is. But um, just another question, like, what do you see? I, I You mentioned the career prospects as well. So yes. for you personally, in relation to the various career prospects in biomedical engineering, what do you see yourself doing in the future? Uh, so right now, I think like for the next four years, I'll be well continuing with my PhD. Um, and after that, it really, I think I really like academia because that's where uh, you a lot of innovations start from academia and just like make their way towards industry. So it's really cool to be like at the beginning of like where the inception of the technology. So I think after finishing my PhD, I would continue as a postdoc. I don't know where, but that would be definitely the next step. And I'd slowly like to get more uh well-versed with different topics in biomedical engineering because there's still so much to learn, both in terms of science as well as engineering. Uh, the other option would be switching to a research uh, position in an industry, so R&D, but uh, it's really too soon to tell. In, but in terms of BME in general, it has quite, a, because it's such a multidisciplinary topic, its career prospects are also wide. So you can always work in like mechanical or biology or computer science because all of these are anyways yeah. included in BME. So you can always yeah. use it to your uh, advantage and sort of uh, tailor your resume or your cover letter for a job in the industry based on some aspects of BME that match with it. And the rest of the aspects, as usual, you can use as sort of a bridging platform between mm -hmm your uh, master's or PhD and the job in industry because even other than academia, even industry is becoming highly multidisciplinary. So they really yeah. appreciate people who can do multiple things. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Like, you know, how integrated biomedical engineering is with so many fields and exactly. you can just switch interchangeably and like, that's really cool. Right. And like, so to all the students, you know, who are looking at biomedical engineering, who have the same fascination and curiosity that you have, uh, what would you give them as advice, you know, in case they aren't confident enough for a brand switch, despite having that same, you know, spark and... That's, that's actually quite good. This was also me for a while uh, during my bachelor's. Uh, I think what really helps is, first of all, taking it easy because this field is very overwhelming. It has too many branches. So it's always good to pick out a few branches that you want and just focus on that because otherwise you'll be spreading yourself too thin. 
And that could also possibly reduce your confidence, which is also what happened to me because I didn't know what part of biomedical engineering that I really liked. So mm. I spent a lot of time trying to read. So reading like review papers or listening to some talks on YouTube about biomedical engineering really helped me see what this field is capable of. And what also really helps is having a backup plan or like a safety net in case things don't go according to plan. That can happen a lot as the previous year has taught us. Mm. So what would really help also build confidence is the backup plan that you have. So for example, a lot of universities allow you to apply to two master programs. So you can apply to a program which you want to switch to, but also you can apply to the program same as your bachelor's. So in this way, you will have something to fall back on. Right. Or you can apply both for a master's as well as for a PhD. Like some universities, for example, if you get rejected from a PhD program, they automatically consider you for a master's program. So you have like all these safety nets to fall back on. Uh, then this was, again, but a logistical thing in terms yeah. of uh, the technical details, what really helped me build confidence was actually the online courses, because uh, other than uh, the bio introduction to biology of cancer, so I did some other courses like bioinformatics or science related courses on, uh, for example, uh, devices. It sounds like electronics, but it's actually physics of devices, which also can be applicable in biology. So the more you learn, the more the confidence grows because, of course, initially the field looks super interesting, but none of us know anything about it. So once you know more about it, the confidence becomes better. And then there is, of course, this, um, I don't remember the term for it, but there's essentially like this really cool psychological thing where people who inherently do have a lot of knowledge or understanding of a topic realize how much there is left to know and this itself mm -hmm. reduces their confidence and that is still the same for me as well so mm -hmm. if you aren't confident that also could be a chance that you actually know a lot about this field and the only mm -hmm. reason you aren't confident is that you know how much there is still left to learn and mm -hmm. yeah so that is something also you can keep in the back of your mind you know as like a pep talk for yourself maybe that is the case and if it's not, honestly, it's just learning. And online courses, a lot of them really help. Uh, and online courses, if you want to go a little more intensive, you can switch to NPTEL because mm -hmm. those are proper semester-long courses. And they even have certifications now, which you can use if you want to. And even if you don't want to, that's okay because as long as you learn and you're able to convey that you have learned this, that's more than enough for graduate applications that's true yeah. like th that part about you know uh knowing enough to know there's so much more to learn exactly yeah uh, I'm, like that's i'm sure like all, all of us have been there at some point and you know just how you look at it is such a nice and thank like, you friendly way to look at it so yeah um and that's it mm -hmm. i mean that's the incredible uh made <laughs> no. <laughs> no that's uh, okay it's quite good yeah, it's no been way. a pleasure having you. I hope uh, everybody enjoys this podcast. Thank you so, so much. I was really happy. I'm glad you had me on this okay, podcast. Yeah. It was really Good. nice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Malik. Thank you too, Stefan. <laughs>